Hello and welcome to the Bubble Book Club, the fortnightly podcast where we interview a successful author and find out the inspiration behind their book. We also drill down into some of the core themes they've written about and talk about how they navigate parenting. At Bubble, we're passionate about books and book clubs. And let's face it, we haven't been going out to discuss anything interesting recently. So we wanted to give you an excuse to form your own book club with friends and then get those book clubs back off the ground. So join our book club journey and enjoy. Right, well, I'm excited because on Bubble Book Club today, um, we've got Helen Thorne, who can now declare herself on top of all the other talents as being a author. Well, you were an author already, actually. Yeah, a- but but almost well, co- co-author, because I wrote the book Scummy Mummies with Ellie a few years ago. But this one was all by myself, Anarchy. <laughs> I know. And you're, you're annoying, because you did it over the, the most stressful sort of, for I mean, collectively, one of the mm. most stressful periods, and continues to be funnily enough, one of the most stressful periods. Uh, your book um, is called Get Divorced and Be Happy, which I love the title of because I think one of the things, the themes that sort of comes out quite strongly is that divorce is not something to sort of mourn and feel dreadful about. It doesn't have to ruin your life. Mm. Um, was that kind of, I mean, I guess writing it from your point of view, did it feel quite like a release like it was cathartic to get it out oh absolutely absolutely I think I think it helped with the healing as well because I think and as women we're very good at this once we've gone through a painful situation we kind of brush it under the carpet and go what's next okay six loads of washing and got to get the kids to school like oh yes I've been through a major trauma but you know there's there's work to be done the list is long and so actually, you know, I, I, um, I got separated three weeks before lockdown and then spent the first three months of, of, of my trauma and getting over the fact my husband had an affair and, and I was, you know, lost the love of my life, which I thought I did. And during that time, and then, yeah, six months after I found out, Penguin asked me to write a book about it. So, so I, I sort of, it was all very raw. And I think, I think that's actually the strength of the book and maybe the strength of my writing at the time because I was still so fucking angry, but also so elated at the same time. There was these epiphanies of like, this was a shitty thing that happened to me. How do I, how do I make the best of this? How do I turn around a life or, you know, a path in life, which I didn't choose. Like I, I thought I was going to be married forever, you know, as we all hope to, but then that choice got taken away from me. So I had to make make a, a new life even better and and that's what it's become and so yeah so writing it you know I did I sat in this chair on this kitchen table really fucking sobbed like really sobbed um there were some really painful um moments and you know there is sadness in the book but also I think the book is very uplifting and it's about me discovering that I've never been as happy as I am now and and divorce has given me that that it's been this delicious gift of a new life so I feel you know that's why I want to kind of sing out loud about how wonderful I feel being a single woman and I'm not saying everyone should get divorced and I'm not saying divorce will be like this for everyone but I'm just saying here is a version that may not have been talked about you really vividly describe in the book um, and I love the way it's kind of structured because it's sort of almost from 
sort of ground zero straight through to sort of, you know, the phoenix yeah. rise at the end. You described the sort of World Book Day, you know, when you actually discovered what was going on. And you don't go, I mean, it's good because you obviously don't go into lots of detail on that, but you talk about the emotional fallout. Mm. Um, how did that feel? Because I think so many of us just kind of poodle along with our relationships, whether we're married or, or not married. But, you know, we kind of keep sort of going along thinking, oh, maybe it's not it's not brilliant, but it's not awful either. And then you had this revelation. And, and how did that feel in that moment? It was just it must have been a complete shock. Oh, it was. And, you know, I'd, I'd been with uh, my ex for 22 years. And so I just thought that's how it was always going to be. And it was a bit mucky. And, uh, you know, there were times where it would just we just were functioning, you know, we were functioning kind of rather than fun. And, you know, little niggles and, you know, things like that, like and behaviours that had manifested over time, all those sort of things got really exposed in the light when I found out um, about what he'd been doing. Um, so, yeah, so I found a I found a letter in a jacket pocket that I was going to use for a World Book Day costume. And I just remember feeling like the blood had been drained out of my body and I went into kind of deep shock. But I knew I like it was just before tea time. So I had to make the kids dinner and I waited for him to come home to tell him about this. And I was just in this sort of weird fog and I kept saying to myself, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Everything's going to be fine. I just need to. But but that I knew that my life had been changed so dramatically in that moment like there was no going back like we were going to be separated he was leaving the house that night and so yeah and then and then it was just very it was almost quite quiet like when I said to him you know good one dickhead it's over it wasn't explosive or it wasn't it I just I I just sort of I was so numb from it and just so like how how did I not see this how how is that I have devoted more than half my life to a man and then to, to find out that he's done that and it was devastating absolutely devastating and heartbreaking and I remember one moment when I sort of the reality of it I thought I haven't been loved properly I I gave all my love to him and he gave half of a bit to me and a bit to her and and that's horrific and I know it's commonplace and people go oh affairs happen all the time divorce happens all the time mm -hmm. but when it happens to you I just felt internally bruised that's how it feels and heavy and you know that my body had been rejected I had been rejected even though I tried really hard at my marriage and wanted even the month before I remember cuddling up to him in bed going I never want to get divorced you know and like just there was a purity in that like just you know I, I loved him and wanted the best for him and and to find out that that's not that wasn't reciprocated is is really you know and I, and I know some people will take longer to recover from that but I yeah uh, it was oh god it was really hard and I, I don't shy away from that in the book because I think you know the fact that we're we're governed by men who frequently have affairs our, our leader is has, mm. has a disgusting moral compass like he had an Boris Johnson had an affair with a with a woman while his wife was going through cancer treatment and yet we we've given him the right to govern us and mm. and you know affairs yeah they do happen all the time and some people recover for them but because mine was so horrific I was like there was no point where I was like oh could we save it I was like no it's done it was it was so quick and like a guillotine that 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 relationship and my opinion of him was severed almost instantly I mean that clarity that you have is I mean that's admirable because it's kind of I suppose in many relationships they might 
um, you know, it might ramble on. And sometimes obviously people will choose to kind of try and get counselling or, or work mm. it out. But for you, it was very clear that you wanted to just draw a line under it, didn't you? Yeah, and there was no looking back. We'd done two lots of couples counselling and, you know, 18 months of it beforehand. And we also, which I would recommend if if it's available to you, we did couples counselling for the three months afterwards. So every week for one hour, and we obviously did it on Zoom because it was COVID times, I had a safe space in which I could talk to him and question him, but I had the support of a therapist who was the therapist we saw before. So he sort of knew who we were. And so there'll be times where I was enraged or incredibly upset or just deeply confused, but I sort of made note of it. And I thought, no, on Thursdays, we're going to talk about that. And that will be really helpful for me. And I felt supported and I didn't feel as mad because yeah, I was by myself. I was just, it was just me and the kids in the house. And even though I had friends on the phone, you know, I didn't get a hug for nearly three months from another adult. And the last hug I had was from him when the day he moved out of the house. It's the, it's the kind of, you know, that kind of, well, I mean, really, it's a form of grief, isn't it? You're going yeah. through the loss of somebody, the loss of a, and, and you talk a lot about, and I was quite surprised at this because I've always thought of you as being like a renegade, you know, and, and you are a renegade, you know, you're a comedian, you're a feminist, you don't shy away from talking about taboo subjects, you're very mm. honest. Um, and yet you said sort of growing up, your perceptions of kind of people who were kind of divorced or people who were single were shaped by your parents, like it was kind of the comments that people would make and that, mm marriage kind of equaled success really and not mm. being married equaled failure yeah um, I mean that's that felt really interesting to me and also being tied up maybe with the way that you perceive your body as well and the way mm. that you perceive you know you're attractive because you're married and do you think that's still the case that you still had all of those associations so when the marriage is ending then actually maybe it's also all these other associations like I'm not good enough or, you know, I'm not successful enough because I haven't made this work. Mm. Uh, did those all come out as well? Yeah, I, I did a lot, a lot of therapy and I had a really excellent therapist. And I do talk about that and I say, look, when you have a trauma like I did and when you go into therapy, you're not just you were not unpacking just what happened in the divorce. Like everything came up about body confidence, my my relationship with my parents, you know, teenage bullying, all that sort of stuff. And and the way I shaped my self-worth. And so so when when I had to kind of rebuild myself, because I just felt like, you know, and it's the cliche, you shattered into um, so many pieces and you slowly put those pieces back together again. And so I sort of feel like myself, but I stronger better reformed um self and i and it completely transformed how i felt about marriage and relationships and my behavior uh about monogamy all sorts of things that i had held on to so tightly but i've i've redefined and yeah so my dad's a vicar so i grew up with kind of very old-fashioned ideas about uh, you know, marriages for life and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And my mum and dad have been together since 1964. So, yeah, and, you know, I, and the the pitying way sometimes that they would look at, you know, single women, like there was a lack or that they were missing out on something or she must be lonely. And I think I think loneliness is, is, is a really interesting one when you're talking about people in miserable relationships because I think I was much lonelier when I was in married, like going to bed at night and not talking and not touching and both at opposite ends of the bed, staring at our phones. And even though there was a physical presence, there was an absence and that's fucked. That is really 
awful that there's you sort of yeah and and when I look back at those sort of moments now I'm like god he was probably texting her while he was lying next to me you know and and yeah so I think I think all those sort of things are good and so it's sort of it's sort of unpacking all those moments of self-discovery in the book but I use lots and lots and lots of experts to kind of uh, not back me up but also just explain why I was feeling that way and um and yeah and so some of the biggest questions I get asked on almost a daily basis that when do you know it's time to leave a relationship so I've interviewed people um from like relate and yeah psychotherapists about that because I think that's that's the biggest question you get to in midlife it's like is this enough is this working am I am I actually happy you know Mm. should I stay so I think I think I hope the book is helpful in sort of guiding people uh to make those choices really So what's this bubble thing? I keep hearing parents on WhatsApp chatting about it, but I haven't got a clue. Well, Bubble is the easy-to-use app that helps you find childcare and babysitters. Sounds a bit odd. It's it's an app. So how does that work? Well, you just literally select your time and date, post a job, and then you'll see sitters in your area who are available. All sitters are fully verified and background checked. And you can also read reviews from fellow parents and arrange to have a chat or a cup of tea with your sitter, if you're nervous. There must be a catch. I mean, there's always a catch, right? Well, you do need to have a phone. Okay. And you do need to book somewhere to go out to? Well, yeah, I can can do both of those things. Apart from that, no catch. Hmm, so there's nothing to get hysterical about on WhatsApp? No, nothing at all. Great, I might just give that a whirl. Bubble, get on the App Store and download the app. Book trusted childcare. It's really that simple. Yeah, and I think that's another thing you sort of, the loneliness thing is an interesting one. And also perhaps the fear that people have of being alone if they've been together for a long time of almost mm. thinking, what, what's it going to be like to be on my own? Now, you went through a stage where, I mean, you accurately kind of describe it as kind of carbs, you know, delivery orders, you know, booze, cigarettes, almost like the kind of Keith Richards, you yeah. know, approach to to and and was that quite soon afterwards and how long did that go on and at what point did you sort of think actually because I it's funny I I sort of I think I saw a few posts on social media where I was like wow you know Helen's having an amazing time of it you know yeah and but also you were very you were sharing the ups and the downs but did you sort of feel like you could continue on that trajectory or did you think no hang on a minute this is at some point I'm gonna have to you know stop Quite yeah, and I, I explain that quite explicitly. There's a chapter called Getting Stronger and that's just all about my body and, and the physical impact of divorce. And um, so it got to August and the kids were away for two weeks with their dad. And I was like, right, I'm going out every night. I'm having lots of one night stands. I'm just, it's cock and cocktails, right? It's just, oh, go, go get it all. And... I was drinking during the day, drinking at night, having sex with strangers, having a really great time. And then one day I started drinking at lunchtime and it got to about six o'clock at night. And I think I'd have about two or three bottles of wine. And I was meant to be back here at home at six. And I left Shoreditch and disappeared. I don't know where I went. Mm-hmm. And I was meant to meet some friends. And for three hours I was missing. And I don't know where I was, but I managed, I ended up at home. Uh, and my neighbours 
uh, got some keys and found me on my sofa. I don't know how I got there. I have no idea. Yeah, so that was the big kick up the arse. And then my eye exploded the next day. Uh, so yeah, do you remember the puffy eye? So that I had a, I had a really bad infected eye and I looked I looked like Quasimodo for two months. Uh, and I had to have a major eye operation at Moorfields because it got badly infected in a hot tub. So, yeah, so the rock and roll lifestyle caught up with me. And so I speak about that. And then I went on a three-week uh, cleanse where I didn't have alcohol, caffeine, um, dairy, wheat or anything like that. And and re and then started strength training. Um, so I got into powerlifting and running again. So it's about that kind of recovery. But um, and I speak to a psychologist in the book about it. Said, "Did I need to crash?" And she said, "Yes. Sometimes you need to hit the bottom before mm-hmm. you can kind of rebuild." So I think that all built up. But I was very, I was very keen to kind of go. I'm coping well. I'm having a great time. I'm acting like a 21 year old. Um, mm-hmm. But it, but it caught up with me. And um, yeah, and I don't shy away from that as well. Like. Yeah. Part of that was almost kind of saying, look, you know, because um, we can all use these things, can't we, to sort of numb ourselves. Yeah. And also, also to just say to your ex, you know, look at me, I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I I actually don't, you know, I'm not really missing anything because I'm, I'm having such a good time. Was there, mm. there was, that was a part in it as well, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And it was sort of saying to the world, I'm doing all right. Like this is despite despite this shitty thing, um, I'm going to make the best of what 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 <laughs> what this new life is. So I think that's it. But then it's just about balance, isn't it? And like yeah, and it was about that time I got I got asked to write the book as well. So I was like yeah, sure I can write eighty thousand words in like four months. Yeah, fine. Uh, interview forty women. Uh, and so yeah, I wrote it really quickly. But I didn't have a day off. And I was like, all right, I just need to write. A thousand words a day and then as the the deadline got closer oh i just need to write two thousand words a day um which i just had to do and and i submitted it and but i i, I do think it's a it's a better book because of that i think i think because it i was just like no write write angry sad and happy like be really truthful that it's kind of quite gritty and and it's not the sort of softly softly do divorce with grace and dignity and rise above. It's like no, it's shitty. Get angry and then you know act well and behave well. But there's a whole chapter about single parenting, and I interview people like Philippa Perry and the CEO of Gingerbread, which is a single parent charity, and lots of different people who've had um, experiences of that and about you know how to tell your children and how to you know I never slag my ex off in front of my kids and I want them to have a really positive relationship and they both love each other very dearly so that's really important so yeah that's what struck me though is that um I know you know I mean I come from a divorced um family and I think it's really mature to be able to see because obviously you know initially you just have that pain and you just want to tell them to go away but you know that you've got to maintain that relationship for the kids mm. um, and also not letting it show and in fact, in the book, your instinct might have been to really rubbish him, you know, to have chapters and chapters where you just vent that. But mm. you've thought ahead and you've thought, well, actually, you know, I don't want to do that because this is my this is my kid's dad at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, which I get I think that's really useful for people trying to think about what well, essentially you've still got to have that relationship, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the kids know that the book's coming out and I've talked to them about it and I said, Look, mummy's written this book for other mummies. Mummy's written this book because mummy went through a really hard thing and and she worked hard to get better and and I want to help other women and that's essentially why 
I wrote the book is that we just need more stories. We need more truth. And I've been reading a lot about, I've read a book recently called The Dance of Deception when we when it essentially said when you pretend you, you are lying or when you're silent, you're lying. And when women share their truth, that's when the magic happens, you know. And I think, you know, and obviously all the work that you've done uh, brilliant work uh, in sex and motherhood and older women and mid- middle age I think there just needs to be more and more stories out there and that and that's what people need they need to know that what they're going through is is normal and they're okay <laughs> I was going to say just in closing like what what would be your advice I mean there's so much like you said there's lots of great experts in there there's lots of advice uh, if you're sort of somebody who you know we're starting hopefully fingers crossed to come out of um you know restrictions and but you're still feeling that real sense that this relationship isn't isn't working at all maybe not having a, a big wham you know revelation mm. but just it's not what would be what would be your advice to someone because the, the message of the book is like it's never too late to sort of start your life again yeah um, would that kind of be what would be your message to women who are listening there's a couple of things that I would say that that you know don't don't accept behaviors in your marriage that you wouldn't accept from a best friend and this is what Arabella Weir said in that mm. if your husband or partner sits down and go why'd you cook the broccoli like this or you know chardonnay i hate chardonnay you wouldn't accept that behavior from a good friend and you'd say excuse me that's really rude but i think there are so there's there's these sort of micro niggles that you have in your relationship that yeah that that i i know i turned a blind eye i was a bad feminist in my marriage so i think i think that's it and i was really scared about being a single parent and it and actually i'm a better parent because i'm a single parent and i adore it and i think i think all the stigmas um around single parents is changing there's still there is still a lot of um negativity around it but it's it's slowly changing and you can do it and you will do it in your own way and that they're the community of single parents and single women and, you know, survivors and thrivers of divorce is a really badass group to be part of. And they will they will cheer you on. And I think I think you will you won't be alone. I think this is the thing. And I would also say I know a lot of my friends or, you know, people I know or friends of friends have said, oh, I don't want to leave the house and I would say I'd rather be in a two bedroom flat and happy and live my life with that criticism than be in a big house and feel shit um, mm. because you only get one life. And um, no, it's so accurate because you're, th- I mean, sometimes it's just the hassle. Like people are like, oh, it's my the admin. God. It's the, like you, you know, you were saying that you would plan to sort of move and get a, you know, a bigger house and get a lot of work done. And there may be some people who are like, we've just got a loft extension done and we've just remortgaged. Like, mm. I, just, I can't deal with the admin side of it. Um, yeah. Which you also um, think, you know, you describe in the book as well, that kind of admin side. Yeah. And I guess that's that's the thing is kind of it's worthwhile in the end. It's going to be tough, but mm. ultimately it's, it's going to be worth it. Um, yeah. Helen, when does it come out? I mean, I, I thought it was the 29th of July or is it out? Already. It's out on the 29th of July, as is the audiobook and the Kindle version. All right. All right. Well, not, Helen, I've really enjoyed talking to you. It's been it's been super inspiring. I'm sort of feeling slightly worried about my own relationship at the moment, but I'm also knowing that some of it is the pandemic effect. So it's mm. also trying to separate that out of just the fact that if you've spent 
too much time in a confined space with the same person is is not healthy anyway it's a pressure cooker and yeah divorce has had a massive increase during the um yeah. uh during the pandemic but maybe that's a good thing maybe that just you know gets forces people to kind of look at what it is but um i think i think most people are pretty over spending time with their partners they're ready to have holidays away with their girlfriends rather than see their husband again or their wives or whatever yeah i know it's funny isn't it well thanks a lot helen that's Um, all right thanks for listening and tune in for our next episode in two weeks time also follow us on instagram at bubble underscore childcare and message us with your thoughts and any authors you'd love us to feature in the future also share like and leave a review here's to celebrating the return of going out and having our own book clubs 